0: You're listening to Charlottesville Connected, a podcast that gives you a chance to listen, learn, and be inspired by those making a difference in our community. Let's get started. Hello, and thank you for joining us for another episode of Charlottesville Connected. I am your host, Amy Cochran. Today, we are talking with Bruce Steele from Cunningham Creek Winery. Bruce, thanks for joining me this morning.
1: Thank you, Amy. It's great to be here.
0: I appreciate it so much. We talked a little bit about just the history of the winery, and it seemed quite interesting to me how you got from Northern Virginia down to Charlottesville and opening a winery and everything along the way. Can you share a little bit about that?
1: Well, we wanted to have a working farm. We were leaving our corporate jobs and wanted to do something that was closer to agricultural. So we bought the farm down here in Palmyra. And that was after looking for about four years in the Charlottesville area. So we bought the farm, which was a cattle farm at the time, converted it to a more of a row crop and vineyard and planted in 2013 and started getting serious about making wine in 2014.
0: And was the goal the whole time to just to make wine for to sell or for yourselves or what was that?
1: Well, the goal started out to just to grow and sell crops, but we discovered that if we wanted to be successful, we had to actually work on finished products as opposed to raw commodities. So that turned into making wine and we grew strawberries at the time and we made a lot of jam as well, because we have to focus on every endeavor. You can't just do everything you want to. <laughs> Yeah, wouldn't it be nice? So we chose to focus on the wine. So now we make wine from our French variety grapes, and we also make a strawberry wine from strawberries.
0: Nice. So how does that work? You go from corporate to making wine. I mean, where do you even begin? How do you know what you're doing?
1: (laughs) Well, making things up as you go is a plan. (laughs) So what we do is we took a number of classes. There are great classes at PVCC here locally, where I met some outstanding winemakers that I was able to mentor with, for example, Matthew Fanoa King family. And also I took the online classes through UC Davis to get a certificate in, in winemaking. So it's very useful knowledge. It's out there. I had a degree a long time ago in biology that I never used so I can use some of that stuff because you know making wine is the science of rotting fruit so we're <laughs> we're spending our time doing that with skill and artistry as opposed to inadvertently now
0: right <laughs> Great way to put it. Mm -hmm. Some of the people I have talked to about, like I've talked to some like food truck business owners and different things like that, and it seems like there's almost these little tiny networks of people within these food and beverage industries. Have you found that? With I mean, you mentioned King Family and the mentorship there.
1: Oh yes, we are really, really fortunate to have what I call a a fairly well-tight community in the winemaking business here in. Virginia and in the central region in particular. But there's a Virginia Vine Growers Association, which is all about vineyards, and the Virginia Winery Association, which is all about wineries. And there's a tremendous support network. You can call up a neighboring vineyard and say, you know, can we borrow 50 pounds of strict acid? And oh, wow. If you really need to do that, you can do that.
0: That's awesome. So it's not competition kind of atmosphere as much as it is everyone kind of has their own specialty and you're just going to help each other out.
1: There's it's very collegial and supportive. We're um really happy that we've joined this industry.
0: Yeah, that's really neat. So you you did take a certification class and classes but what kind what do you learn? What do you need to learn to do this?
1: So there's All sorts of things you really need to know some of and a lot of some other things. So making wine is from soup to nuts, planting grapes. Actually, if you want to back up, selecting the site, planting grapes, growing grapes, then harvesting grapes. And then the rotting starts. (laughs) We take it into the winery and we take the grape apart and put it back together to make wine. Then you go to the business part. You have to know how to you know, present, distribute your product. And if you're in the winery business, you're actually in the tourism business. Mm. So there's all the aspects of that associated with it.
0: Yeah, good point. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I'll just tell you, you should never get a farmer a chance to complain about the weather. So (laughs) we have all the things associated with hoping there's no frost and all the things associated with growing things, as well as the ins and outs of manufacturing and distributing.
0: Yeah, there's not much you can do about the weather, huh?
1: No, no, it teaches you to be very fatalistic.
0: Yeah. Now, you had, when we talked earlier, had said that you make the wine there on site. Yes, we do. Where, I guess the other way to do it is to send, grow the grapes and then send them away to, for somebody else to produce the wine. Is that right?
1: Well, there are services called Custom Crush, which are used throughout the state. That uh, when we first started, we were making our, our wine that way, but we make our wine here locally now. And those different wineries have really good wine because some good custom crush services. But we're really happy to produce it ourselves. So I think it gets a lot more pride of ownership that way.
0: Yeah, I can see that. Mm-hmm. So it would be, I like picture like, you know, you're making it, you taste it, and then you make changes. Oh, or yeah. Ha- yeah. So you just constantly trying to make it better or?
1: Make it better. So when I talk to people about being a winemaker, they suggest that it's really, wow, you get to taste all this good wine. Well, <laughs> It's like cooking. When you're taking, making a stew, for example, the mm. stew doesn't always taste delicious, right? It tastes right. like it's a work in progress.
0: Especially if I'm making it.
1: <laughs> so when we make the wine, that we do a lot of tasting to see how things are going. And actually, one of the worst things that can happen is that the wine can taste great, Really early in the process, because it's actually not supposed to taste great really early in the process. You want it to taste great at the end. Makes sense. So we do a lot of tasting. We do a lot of chemical analysis too. We do make measurements on the acid and the sugar and some of the other compounds inside the wine to get a better balance at the end.
0: So, how long is the process from, I guess, Picking the grapes to having wine, does it depend on the type of wine? Or
1: It depends on the type of wine. The shortest answer is you can get a wine in a couple months from picking okay. for the really fast ones. The big reds, the one we've won gold medals for, are two years in the barrel and another two years in the bottle.
0: Oh, wow.
1: So we have some 2017 did wine that did some really well at the uh, in the Governor's Cup this year. Got two gold medals.
0: It's amazing. Congratulations.
1: Thank you. Like I said, that took four years from picking to selling.
0: Yeah, I don't know a lot about wine. I drink what's put in front Mm. of me. But when I'm at the store and it has the years on it, is it always better if it's older or does it go bad?
1: Well, it can go bad after a while, and it's not always better if it's older. Okay. Generally, if it's a high-quality wine, it will be a little better if it's older. But if it's like 20 years old and it's a medium-quality wine, it actually starts to get a little flabby after a while.
0: Okay.
1: So a lot of wines will have a, what's called a drinking window on them. So it's hmm. anywhere from two to seven or some other number of years that the consumer is advised to drink it within this time period.
0: Okay. So if I bought a bottle of wine that you s- started with two years in the barrel, two mm-hmm. years in the bo- I could have that bottle for a couple years in theory and it would still be good?
1: You could have that for five years. Okay. And after that, I would suggest it uh, is probably a little past its prime.
0: Gotcha. Because yeah. I see people that really know what they're doing. They're big wine sellers and you know, wait for the perfect time to drink the wine and...
1: And every year is different, too. One of the things that's exciting about this industry is the grapes come in different every year. Mm. So the you get some vintages are better than others. 2017 for us was spectacular. Okay. 2018 was not so good. In 2020, the freeze came and killed all our fruit. So when I talk about the fatalism associated with the weather, that's it. Your whole business has to include that.
0: Yeah. What do you... Do you just have enough wine from the year before that?
1: You try and make more wine than you need during the good years.
0: Yeah. Wow. That's, man, 2020 really gave a lot of, threw a lot of punches even.
1: Yeah. We're really glad 2020 is over.
0: <laughs> yeah. For many multitude of <laughs> reasons. Yes, oh yes, my gosh. Yes.
1: But this year is shaping up to be a really good year. We had a good winter and the spring is shaping up so far so good. You know, knock wood. And I think it's going to be a good year
0: everything outside my window is green green green
1: green 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 and there's no frost like conditions in the forecast
0: oh good let's hope it stays that way
1: but the forecast is only good for 10 days so we'll see yeah if we get enough yeah if we get 20 days of it we'll be perfect
0: okay so you kind of got to make it to mid-may and
1: mid-may to be absolutely sure yeah last year there was a frost in Mother's Day on the 11th of May which was actually very late for us but
0: that is, late. I don't even remember that I was probably in a fog last yeah. year. And
1: mother,
0: <laughs> <laughs> you mentioned your award-winning red wines. Do you and you mentioned a rosé earlier on? What other kind of?
1: Uh, so we make uh, white wines, red wines, and rosé wines, and what we call specialty wines. We actually have one thing that's sort of rare in the state: is a fortified rosé. So fortified wine is like port and some dessert wines. And our fortified rosé is. Essentially a wine cocktail. It's called Tall and Strong. And it's my take on a hurricane wine cocktail. Nice. The sort of thing you want to have over ice before dinner.
0: Does sound like I want yeah. to have that over ice before dinner.
1: <laughs> <Yeah>.
0: <laughs> Sounds delicious. So on um, do you sort of have the same wine varieties and every year you make more of that wine or you do you try to make different
1: wines? We we experiment a little bit. You like to have, people like some consistency and predictability. So we grow French varieties and we exclusively use those. Not to be confused with the strawberry wine, which is American, of course. So we have, for whites, we have Chardonnay, Viognier, and Pinot Gris. For reds, we have Cabernet Franc, Cabernet Sauvignon, Petit Verdot, and Merlot. So these are the standard grapes that everyone knows. Yeah. And we planted those specifically because we wanted to plant grapes that make wine that we like to drink. Smart. (laughs) Yeah, as opposed to something that the customers would have to get educated on.
0: Right. Yeah, that makes sense. Tell me a little bit about just the atmosphere there. I know family-friendly, dog-friendly, which is fantastic for me. I have kids and dogs.
1: (laughs) We have a couple things that we think are important. Like you said, we are family-friendly and dog-friendly. We put in a dog park so the dogs come some space off-leash. We have our two dogs, dogs, which will greet you when you show up. They're the only off-leash dogs on the property. And we think it's important that people can take their kids along, because we think that it's not just about the wine, even though that's important. It's about the whole experience and, and hanging out. People talk about what wine pairs well best, best well with, and it actually it pairs best with friendship and laughter.:
0: Oh, I love that.
1: So if you're having a good time with your family, mm-hmm. the wine is icing on the cake for that. Yeah. And so we want to do that. The other thing we do is we stay open till six because when my wife Debbie and I were um before when we were just visiting wineries, we really in the afternoon, a Saturday afternoon, we couldn't get our act together to go out until 430. Yeah. So we wanted a winery to stay open a little past five. So that's why we stay open till six.
0: Makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes running around with family all day. Right. Takes a little bit longer to get out and do something fun for
1: yourself. <laughs> <laughs> if you look at the positive side of 2020, we're an outdoor venue right now. Uh, we look mm-hmm. we look to open our inside in the next month or so. Oh, exciting! But we had to substantially improve our outside area to be more uh, accommodating. So we have individual shelters set up, 12 individual shelters set up for people to enjoy their wine in a a nice setting. Each shelter can see the stage and it works out really well that way. So we're really happy. The good news is COVID forced us to upgrade our outdoor area.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) That's your silver lining. Silver
1: lining. Yes.
0: Do you reserve them ahead of time? Or is it first come first serve?
1: We used to, but we do them better now with the first come first serve. Okay. Sometimes when we're really, really busy, doesn't happen too often. We tell people they have to wait, but we like the first come first serve.
0: Okay. And you mentioned a stage. So is there an event schedule?
1: Yes, it's online and on our Facebook page, okay. CunninghamCreek.wine, as opposed to .com. <clears throat> and we have music on Saturdays right now. And, and it's later when we uh, the daylight savings kicks in a little bit more, we'll go to nine o'clock or eight o'clock with the music. Right now, it goes from till five on Saturdays.
0: I know you said Palmyra, I believe, in the beginning of the conversation, but you're not too far from town. Um, is that right?
1: That's exactly right. We're only 20 minutes east of Jeffords' Monticello. And so the uh, Palmyra sounds really far away, but we're closer to Charlottesville than Ivy is. Okay. And just in a slightly different direction. Mm -hmm. So there are wineries east of town, too. So people who are familiar with the area, we're actually very close to Lake Monticello. Okay. We're only a couple of minutes past that. So, you know, come on out to Palmyra.
0: Yeah. And I mean, in Lake Monticello, that's a big there's a lot of people that live out there so that
1: there's there's a lot of people there almost half the county lives inside the Lake Monticello area
0: yeah so lucky them to have you just a few minutes right. away
1: and yeah, yeah. <laughs> We're really happy in 2016, well, all the way back to 2014, we petitioned the government to change the boundaries of the Monticello AVA, okay. American Viticultural Area, and so we were successful doing that, getting that awarded in okay. December of eighteenth. So that's nice. We're, we're part of the Monticello Wine Trail now, okay. and we can proudly show the word Monticello on our wine labels for the grapes we grow here.
0: Nice, yeah, that is really neat. Mm-hmm. I know we have some of the wine trail map, right, yeah, I see how that would be pretty important to be have a dot on the map.
1: <laughs> We're really happy with that,
0: well, great. I've really enjoyed learning about this i like i said i drink- I'm not a wine connoisseur i'm mm-hmm. I'm happy to drink what's put in front of me, but I've always been quite curious about the process and just some things I had never really thought about about you know whether it's made on site or not and all that sort of thing. And you had said you have 13 acres of grapes. Is that right?
1: We have 13 acres of grapes. So it's just about the right manageable size. We're part of a 300-acre farm, so we can grow if we want oh. to. But we like our, our site. It's nice, compact. When you drive in and visit, you actually drive through the vineyard to get to the tasting rooms. So that's really nice. And it makes it, a, yeah. I think, a better experience all around. People get to actually see what's going on as opposed to.
0: Uh-huh.
1: Here's a building, and trust us, the grapes are not far away.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Right, right. (laughs) How many people does it take to run this operation?
1: So I make the wine. My wife, Debbie, runs the tasting room. And we have a tasting room staff of about a dozen or so people, and that comes and goes seasonally. I get help in the winery, one staff member, help in the winery, and also we have a vineyard manager and he gets some augmentation as well. So when you're all done it's the total headcount is about 20 but okay. uh, in terms of the full-time people it's it's about
0: Okay. But you, and it sounds like you're really you're doing
1: it like you're Yeah. yeah. In fact uh, <laughs> you could argue that this whole concept of retirement we didn't quite understand. <laughs> right but we're having but the cool thing about it is we're actually having a really good time doing it and it's very rewarding to do this and and see the smiles on customers faces.
0: Yeah, I'm I'm sure. You're probably working harder than ever, but but more rewarding maybe. Yeah.
1: Yeah, makes you old and keeps you young at the same time.
0: Yeah, there we go. <laughs> That's right. Well, what else should we is there anything that you wanted to share that we didn't get a chance to touch on?
1: You know, we're really into making good experiences for people and we're proud of our wine and come out and enjoy.
0: Great. And use your website again as cunninghamcreek.wine.
1: And just look at Cunningham Creek Winery on Facebook and you'll find us that way. That's the the events are a little more up to date on Facebook than they are on the website. So if that's the, the I would start at Facebook and go there.
0: Okay. Great. Well, thanks Bruce. I really appreciate this.
1: Well, thank you, Amy. It was good talking with you.
0: Yeah. Thank you for listening to Charlottesville Connected, sponsored by Avenue Realty. To listen to more episodes from those in our community, visit avenuerealtygroup.com. We hope to connect with you again real soon.